0: So, okay, first off, welcome to this episode of Pantry Staples with your hosts. I'm Marika Danger. Just kidding, I'm not. Um I guess that makes me Emily Grayson. <laughs> wonderful. So today we will be discussing ice cream, which is something that we are screaming with excitement about. Oh my goodness. You're welcome. The lowest of hanging fruits. My apologies. I feel um, like the the whole time that I've been doing this research, I was just like, ice
1: cream is a such white people food and be like kind of boring which is a terrible way to start this episode but
0: kind of though but then i guess that really does lead into a lot of what well like i don't know yours is more the social part of this but a lot of the research that i did discussing the very like simple origins of this dish really do not have it quite so like western-centric except for we now think of it as such a western dish which i think is very interesting oh that's cool actually yeah. So where are we seeing these things? You'll get to that in a minute. First, we need to discuss what will we be considering an ice cream here? So- wait, wait, wait. Welcome
1: to Pantry Staples, guys. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> this is the podcast where we dish on
0: your favorite foods. Yep. Today's ice cream. Yep. Sorry, I okay. forgot about it. Wow. Um, R.I.P. the intro. <laughs> I thought we had a pre-recorded one. I don't know.
1: No, we did because we forgot to do the intro on our very first podcast. So that time we re-recorded it. Oh,
0: fuck. Okay. <sighs> yes. The professional quality that you have come to expect in this fourth episode yes. is really highlighted here. Such a peek behind the curtain. Um, thank God you're in charge of this because I am not <laughs> keeping it together. Um, okay. So now to get back to it. Yeah. The big gelato question, if Ooh. you will. Ooh. So... What will we be considering ice cream? Will we be discussing gelato and other ice-based desserts? Will we? Well, not so much in the later stuff for me, but I think it's imperative that we address those for the early history because without them, it's not a very, like, rounded perspective of what we're doing. Mm. First, we need to say these different kind of parameters around it that are happening in history. So first we're seeing the cooling of food and drinks by mixing it with snow or ice. Then we're Uh seeing the discovery that dissolving salt into water produces cooling faster and at a different temperature so it's easier to produce ice cream or like icy things. Um, The discovery and the spread of the knowledge that mixing salt and snow and ice even further um, in kind of mid to late 17th century and the inclusion of cream in the water uh, like ice That's when that kind of is starting to happen. Then we see the invention of the actual, like, ice cream maker. So that's happening. And then Mm -hmm. we are seeing refrigeration. So all of those steps and kind of, like, places in history have a different kind of look at what ice cream would be at that point. But otherwise, eh, it's fluid. So basically, maybe gelato. I don't know. So, those are the kind of parameters that we're looking at to determine what we are going to be considering ice cream within this. So, I've split the early history up into iced based desserts and into cream based desserts, okay. just so that we have a bit more context on like the timelines of those. So, the earliest depiction of an iced based dessert is in actual Egyptian hieroglyphs. They have like a vessel that contains ice next to fruit juice. So, we're seeing a lot of that, like, I know that that's not what we think of when we think of ice cream, but that is kind of the precursor to these, like, sorbets, to sherbet, to... What the fuck is sherbet anyways? What a goddamn waste of time. Do you... Um, it's not good. No, it's not good. It's not I feel good. like my mom really likes it. Sorry, Elsie. Um, but it's just, what's the point? We're not We're not fucking around. Just give me a gelato or give me a full creamy ice cream. Anyways... But, like, these kind of sorbets, these gelatos, these dishes are really just based on the fact that you could find ice or snow and you're mixing it with sweet things to make a delicious cold treat. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's what we have as the first kind of depiction of it. So then in about 2nd century BCE, we have Persians freezing water sweetened with fruit juices into the desert at night. That's kind of their angle on it. Then you have Alexander the Great. We're skipping all over the place here who was said to enjoy snow flavored with honey and wine which of course he fucking does (laughs) then you have Nero my absolute least fave but fave what a unit a trash human but as another trash human I relate so (laughs) he was around from about like 54 to 68 CE and so he actually had like a team of slaves that were just on hand to go and fetch him ice so that he could mix it with honey and wine because yeah, that, that tracks yeah he was it's on in a, brand it's very on brand again this is a pro roman podcast and we are pro nero just for the ridiculousness <laughs> of it but if we do want to talk about my favorite emperor it's obviously trajan um anywho that's like our new side
1: podcast my favorite emperor <laughs>
0: I have a lot to say on the matter, but nothing concrete. It's all just my feelings about it. Yeah, obviously. So we have Nero who's doing this excessive bullshit so he can get his sweet treats, which fair, Italy's hot, whatever. (laughs) But then Seneca is quoted as criticizing this as being too excessive, which I find hilarious because I don't think anyone that is like an upper class Roman has any like to stand on when it comes to excess and also Seneca's a little bitch but anyways. Seneca is a little bitch. Thank you um so anyways we have like a lot of actually there's a lot of conversation in ancient Roman history and in all kinds of history about just like you probably shouldn't have fucking really cold shit going into your body it's not good for you.
1: Oh interesting.
0: uh, Oh yeah they did not like that so Seneca also was talking about that, but whatever. People are
1: still talking about that, like
0: when there's that
1: whole discussion about, like, you shouldn't drink cold water.
0: I hate that. I only like my water cold. It tastes yeah. disgusting. Yeah, agreed. Anyways, ridiculous. <laughs> and it's like, if we weren't supposed to drink it, why does it come cold from, like, a river, bitch? It's
1: <laughs> Flawless logic. Just. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Foolproof. If you can procure it from nature in one form, that is the only acceptable form it should be found in. This pertains to poisonous everything, lava, and water very cold. Anyways, so King Solomon of the biblical fame also enjoyed a nice drink. We have that on record Perfect. in the Bible. So, you know, another irrefutable source. Mm-hmm. Um, we also were seeing... In Asia, because these are very, like, kind of Mediterranean, like, Western, although biblical, like, you know, Near East. Mm-hmm. But we are also seeing a ton of Asian influence here. Or, like, not influence, but invention, I would say. Mm-hmm. The Tang Dynasty, which is 618 to 907 CE, had their own version of this, like, ice cream with flour and water buffalo milk. Um so we're also seeing... Yeah, I know. So There's, gross. All of these, like, really precursors to ice cream are kind of disgusting, except for the ones that are just like, I don't know, I just got some dirty ice and shoved some wine on it. I hope that's okay. Like, that's the only one I'll, like, kind of contend with. Mm-hmm. Everything else seems a nightmare.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, here's the thing. It only gets, like, it doesn't get better.
0: No, it it's really like, doesn't.
1: Like, oh, I have some horrifying ingredient list f- for later. Ooh,
0: I'm very excited for yeah. that, but I'm sure it's bad. Isn't mean, it, like isn't most of the ice cream we eat these days plastic anyways like i mean i don't know about that dip? but
1: that's like when I people say that margarine's just plastic it's like margarine is oh, it's own I actually problem. had
0: a question about hmm. like throwback to the butter episode but is rip is margarine shelf stable when it's like not refrigerated because i've been, yeah that book that i read I think so has made me really think about the fact that i am not equipped as a survivalist no obviously and anyways that's One thing I've been thinking about is getting my stores in order. Uh, Yeah, no. I don't even know how to identify wheat. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. Uh, So, the spread of an ice cream style dessert in Europe is also attributed to Marco Polo. (laughs) Haha, I didn't even know that was a real person. I thought it was just a fun game. No. No. No, what I was learning in school, I was very busy just staring off into the wilderness. I'm shook you should be i didn't you read marco polo in like
1: first year i did
0: if i did i no you know what i don't think i did we read defoe and then foe like the oh anyways (sighs) irrelevant no we did not fuck with marco polo so i don't know his bullshit sorry and he's wild it's wild
1: I'm sure it is. There's a whole segment in like his book. Sorry. This is just going to be the tangent episode. So buckle up. (laughs) There's like a whole passage that I've like highlighted where it's like, he talks about seeing a soldier who had like had taken an arrow to the knee. And this was like right when Skyrim was like a big deal. And I don't (laughs) even play video games, but it was just like the hilarious memes going around about like arrows to knees. And I was like, Marco Polo, like 13th century, this shit's, going down anyway uh,
0: well he's totally <laughs> very contemporary What with his ice cream and his arrows
1: okay tell him about ice cream.
0: <laughs> so anyways he was around like 1271 to 1295 and so from his travels on the silk road he encountered a lot of obviously different cultures a lot of asian cultures and he took a lot of these kind of recipes back with him uh to europe so we're seeing a huge spike in the popularity there and just like I guess a bit more creativity in what they're doing, it's not so much just ice now. Now we're fucking with like other weird ingredients. Um, Catherine de Medici brought sorbet to France when she married Henry the Second, which was around mm-hmm. 1533. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles the First of England is rumored to have paid his ice cream maker a lifetime pension to keep his secret recipe a secret, <laughs> so that only he could have it. He was so enamored with it, but then they cut his head off and. The chef was like, nah, the secret is not worth it. I'm cool. Don't worry about it. It's hilarious. this. Oh, my God. Again, also these things are semi-rumors. Like, the Catherine Medici and the Charles the First, and a little bit the Marco Polo. These are all, like, very strongly subs- not unsubstantiated stories, but they're so integral to this, like, history of ice cream that Mm. even though they're not true they're like so part of the canon which is interesting because we have these actual like factual things from asian countries but we continue to kind of push that to the back and also Mm. i saw a lot in the writings it's like this is a persian style ice cream and this is like a you know chinese style ice cream or whatever in the research which is so interesting because it's like no what we're doing is a fucking north american european version of ice cream because these things did come out of there first that's very interesting yeah and just a fucking whitewashing of everything <laughs> um anyways it's so, so vanilla th- <sighs> that was excellent thank, thank you. you very much for that um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry um Antonio Latini, who was from like 1642 to 1692, he was actually the first person to write down the recipe for sorbetto, or at least the first person that we know of. Mm-hmm. So that's a big old deal. And then Francesco Procopio de Coltelli opened a cafe in Paris and called it Il Procope, where gelato was served. And that's like the most famous place like in history that it's been like
1: distributed. That's interesting that it's like in France instead of Italy. But I guess it makes sense. Because what what year is this again?
0: This is... Oh, fuck. I don't remember. <laughs> like Sorry. 1700s? 1800s? Yeah. People are moving around. They're doing shit. Yeah. Um, He'd immigrated there. And he... I think that place is actually, like... I don't know if it's still there or if they just, like, like to tell you that it's still there. Because I'm pretty sure somebody's been like, and this is where the first gelato was served to me when I was mm. in France. Yeah. But that's unsubstantiated. Anywho... Um, so now that's the early history of the more kind of like ice based product, but now we're going to look at the cream based desserts. Mm. So we see these dairy based desserts of, I'm going to butcher this, Kulfi, which is developed in the Mughal empire in like 16th century CE. Sorry, I fucking suck. No, Um, it's
1: good. (laughs) I've like had Kulfi. It's good.
0: Yeah. Um, and it was probably based on Bastani, which was created by the Persians in 400 BCE. Love it. So, you know. Again, lots of history there. This, the first written record of cream being frozen and using the endothermic effect through the addition of salt is found in the Indian poem Pankatantra from the 4th century CE. So they're like, that is when we have kind of an acknowledgement of like, oh yeah, if we use fucking science and shit, we can negate the fact that we do not have refrigeration, which is pretty nifty. Then, if we jump forward, in 1718, in Mrs. Mary Eel's recipes, uh, there's a published recipe for ice cream where the fruit and the cream are frozen in layers of ice and salt. So, like, a pretty obvious way of doing it. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of the first real published recipe for that. So then we're seeing kind of an explosion of these cookbooks about it. In 1751, you have The Art of Cookery, Made Plain and Easy, that has some. Then, in 1768, you have L'Art de Bien Faire les Glaces d'Office, which was a cookbook exclusively dedicated to ice cream and flavored ices. Oh, wow. Cool. So bitches were into it. Yeah, of course. It's delicious. Of course it's delicious. I, now I really want ice cream, but I don't have any at home because I'm still trying to be responsible and not go to the grocery store unless I can have it delivered. Anyways. Um, This is still not a super common dessert outside of the home because of this lack of refrigeration. And I would also posit that it's because, I don't know, like, is cream very cheap in the cities? Like, I don't know. But that's a question that I could have researched. But instead, I'm just going to ask you in the middle. I think cream's always expensive. Right? Like, it seems like it's not, like, the cheapest of desserts for people to be making. Yeah. And also well, and sugar's expensive, too. Yeah. All the ingredients for it are the fresh fruit. Like, that's not something uh-huh. you're getting all the time. I suppose they could be doing it with like preserves um but also you have to have the physical space and the time to do it mm. like this isn't something that you can just like like start going to town on in your like tiny ass little house you have to have you know enough space to have like a bucket that you can layer the salt in the ice and put these like pots for the ice cream in and you need and a you ton to- of
1: ice and salt you know?
0: Nice and salt Mm -hmm. and then you have to have a place to kind of store it that's a little bit out of the way and colder so Mm -hmm. that's also another thing and it's kind of time consuming it's not just like it's extremely time consuming yeah yeah so you can't just be like oh here i'm just gonna you know stir some eggs and shit around and now i have like a cake (laughs) you have to freeze things yeah anyways Um, it's later becoming accessible to the average person in Europe. Uh by the mid-19th century, we see an ice cream stand being set up by Carlo Gotti outside of Charing Cross where you could get a scoop of ice cream for a penny, and he used an ice well to keep things cool. There was like an ice distributing company that he struck a deal with, so he just always had a bunch of ice on hand and he could actually like start selling this, and the average person could go and buy themselves a scoop of ice cream, like after their commute, which is super adorable. So now that's kind of the European side of things. Now we're getting into North America. You know, we've made the great trek. What is it, the Mayflower? Clearly, my education was subpar at best. I hope um, you check. Right. So the first official account of ice cream in the New World comes from a letter written in 1744 by a guest of Maryland Governor William Bladen. Bladen, anyways, among the rarities was some fine ice cream, which. The strawberries and milk eat most deliciously. <laughs> it's not English. No, but it's real fun. <laughs> Love so, it. Then you're seeing the first advertisement for ice cream in America appear in the New York Gazette in May 12th, 1777, when confectioner Philip Lindsay announced that ice cream was available almost every day. Which- <laughs> almost. Almost. Like, what a shitty ad for that. Like, yeah, I have this delicious thing and you can almost always get it. Like, Advertising
1: was so vague.
0: It's so like, vague. I mean, it still is, but like a very special kind of vague from that time period. Yes, yes. Also, in all my research, there is such a huge amount of discussion about American presidents or like founding fathers liking ice cream. Like, I don't, I guess it's this kind of idea of like, I don't know, now looking back, ice cream, like having an ice cream cone or like having a dish of ice cream is like quite an American like looking thing. Like you put a scoop of that on your apple pie, that sort of thing. Um, But they really like to discuss how like these old founding father dudes were- Loved ice cream. Well, because it was, but all of those dudes were just like obsessed with stuff from France at that
1: time, even though they were like-
0: Hating on France.
1: No, they were hating on Britain. They were like pro-France because France had just had a revolution and they're all like- Look at them go. When? Oh, no, it was the yeah. opposite. France was all like, look at Americans. Oh, my God. Now it's my history. is all messed up.
0: <laughs> the real question is, when is France not having a revolution? <sighs> they just love to protest. Which power the to them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Good on it. Anywho, um, we have like record- records of Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington. Loving this stuff. I think there's even one for, uh, was it George Washington? Maybe it was Thomas Jefferson, where he ate like, no, it's was George Washington. He ate like two hundred dollars worth of ice cream in one summer, which I'm assuming back in the day was a fuck ton. So yeah. that poor motherfucker. <laughs> Anyways. I mean he didn't have teeth, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Um, President James Madison's wife actually served ice cream with dessert at his inaugural Paul in 1813. So this is something that is still seeming quite elite at this point, but it is also becoming more and more commonplace. Um, small scale hand cranking ice cream freezers were invented in England by Agnes Marshall and in America by Nancy Johnson in the 1840s just a quick trip across the pond back to England and talking about Agnes Marshall, who was considered the queen of ice cream. Love it. She wrote four cookbooks on ice cream and she made it popular for the middle class. Um, The first mention of a cone being used as an edible receptacle for the ice cream is in Mrs. A.B. Marshall's book of cookery in 1888, um, which is excellent. She, it was basically like, almond like cookie that you shaped Mm -hmm. not like the waffle that i think we come to see later yeah yeah. um in the 1870s ice cream sodas are invented and later when the the blue laws so laws pertaining to things you could do on sunday which is a hate crime um i shouldn't say that i'm so sorry
1: (laughs) so hyperbolic and problematic
0: it's prime because i hate it um
1: sorry
0: (laughs) which like my mom the other day was telling me she's like yeah i remember when you couldn't get liquor on sundays that was a real nightmare yeah that was like it's like a recent thing yeah and now i'm back in it because i don't think you can get maybe this is wrong maybe i just don't look hard enough but i don't think you can get liquor on sundays in ontario ontario's fucked for liquor laws it's so fucked It's, it's terrible i hate it so much it's honestly the worst thing about this stupid province it's funny because everyone bitches about
1: bc's liquor laws But, like, we're making progress. Y'all are just, like, stuck.
0: stuck. It's insane. I feel like it's because we're the closest to the, like, government and they're just like, nope, gonna keep a real tight eye on this. We're in BC, we're, like, farther away and we can kind of fuck off a little bit. Which, I, that's not fact. It's just a feeling. Anyways, so, where was I? Oh, yeah, so these blue laws meant that they didn't want you having ice cream sodas on Sundays, so they got around this by making the ice cream sundae (gasps) which was adorable i didn't know Um, that i love that isn't it cute so they're just like yeah we aren't gonna put soda in it we're just gonna put some fun toppings and we're gonna call it an ice cream sundae and there you go um so that's all i have basically ice cream tis wild (laughs) fabulous
1: would you like to take it from here yes i will Um, okay, so I read half of a book. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, it was really just like two like chapters. It's called Of Sugar and Snow, A History of Ice Cream Making by Jerry Quinzio. Did you read this? No, I didn't. But That sounds adorable. Will you send me the link? Uh, yes, it's on like, I got through JSTOR. Yes. So I'm like, basically gonna like paraphrase like the last half of this book for you. (laughs) Perfect. That's all I wanted. It's great. Yeah, I know. It's funny. It's like I haven't really done like a proper like historical representation. I've kind of been more like dealing with themes for the last two episodes. So it's like very intense. Um, Okay, so I'm going to start with ice cream cones, which weren't really popularized until 1904 at the World's Fair in St. Louis, which just makes me want to sing. Meet me in St. Louis, Louis, meet me. Mia, the fair Have you seen that?
0: I haven't. Seen it. I'm getting there with all the classic
1: movies. I will eventually see all of them. Just like Judy Garland at, like I don't know, just a week. I, w- I wouldn't want to say like peak mania, but it's a bizarre movie.
0: I still feel like I don't really understand the Judy Garland like vibe. Not like I get the hype. I just don't get the vibe. It's a stressful vibe. Yeah, it is. <laughs>
1: I think that's probably what I'm struggling with. She's just like old Hollywood, like, child stars where she's just, like, been on amphetamines and, like, it's... uh. The main takeaway
0: is don't do acid. Acid's not an an amphetamine, you goober. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just thinking of other things now. Continue.
1: (sighs) Or do. Who am I to tell you to live your life? Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
0: Anyway
1: world's fair st louis 1904 (laughs) um so that was basically the start of it and from then on ice cream in the cone became an american institution so cones sans ice cream date back to ancient greece Hmm. yeah i'm actually surprised i thought you might have been i thought you were maybe going to talk about this but that's fine. I have history. So basically, they were making like little flat cakes cooked between hot plates that they called obelios.
0: Oh, that's cute.
1: Yeah, which originally, for some reason, my brain went to think that it was related to obelisk, but it's not. I mean, the words sound very similar, but no, it it's actually like the Greek and Latin oblata, meaning offering. Oh, so it's like, I love that. Yeah, and then it leads to the French for oubli. Mm. Which is interesting, which is to forget. But in France they made these little cake like flat cakes called oublis, and they were sold by wafer makers on the streets, some of whom ended up like rolling them into little like coronets. And then you could have like a five hand of oubli, or you've just got like a whole fist of these like little cookie cones. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So the earliest illustration of an ice cream cone, so like the cone and the ice cream mm. dates to 1807 in a Parisian cafe. But Like you said, it actually kind of makes sense that the ice cream and the wafer cone, like, sort of became mingled because cookies had often been served on the side of ice cream for, like, Mm -hmm. decades. But Yeah, so there's fancy restaurants where, or, like, rich people who are looking to impress their guests would often have elaborate ice cream desserts with, like, pyramids of cones and whipped creams. And, like, I think I was reading about Agnes Marshall in this as well because she was... Mm -hmm the queen of ice cream she's a queen of ice cream and it's just like these super intense I have these pictures where is it it's like ice cream in these like molds and it's like asparagus flavored ice cream like shaped into asparagus did you
0: see this no I didn't but I read an article like I want to say like three or four years ago and it was like the next top food trends that you should look out for and it Mm. was like we're all fucking over kale and sriracha here's the next things to look at and one of them was savory ice creams, which I, when I read that, was so excited about. But no, it never came around. Where are the savory ice creams? Yeah, I guess that's not true. Actually, I've had um, when I was in Barcelona with Perry and Jenna. You had we gras to- ice cream, right? Oh yeah, that was a different time. Actually, oh. now it turns out I've had a lot of savory <laughs> ice creams. No, the best thing ever was when we went and I got. A melon, like a cold melon soup, but it was poured over a ham ice cream. And there was like little bits of bacon in it. It was so fucking good.
1: I mean, that sounds gross, but I can actually see the appeal.
0: Oh my God, it was flawless. It's still one of the best dishes I've had to this day.
1: I've told you about how I had garlic ice cream for my garlic birthday when I turned 10, right? Oh, I love that. (sighs) So, but going back to the fair. So it's like, yeah, so ice cream and cones existed before, but they, and actually even ice cream cones had been around. But at the fair, there's a story that a Syrian vendor was stationed next to an ice cream vendor whose like dishes were getting piled up and he was like, oh no, I don't have any way to serve my ice cream. And then the Syrian was selling zalabia, which is apparently like a kind of cookie. And he rolled it into cones for the ice cream vendor to fill. I heard that it was waffles. Again,
0: this I feel like this story is one that's like a little bit loose.
1: Oh, it's extremely loose. And it's, like, there are a lot of different versions of, like, kind of the same thing. And then, again, like, ice cream cones were already being sold in New York and, like, Manchester. So it's, like, much more likely that the people selling ice cream cones in St. Louis, like, had a plan to sell ice cream cones. But it's a very cute story. Totally. And, like, again, like, so much of the ice cream history is just, like, kind of, like, cute stories that are maybe true, maybe not.
0: (laughs) Which is kind of, like, lovely for ice cream because I feel like if there's one food that you want kind of just, like, cute stories to populate the history of, it's ice cream. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, it's not like it wasn't a new food, but for the majority of fairgoers, it was. Like, because, you know, it's kind of like a small town and people are coming from all over the world, maybe didn't live in big cities, but basically it exploded from there. So, the cone actually increased popularity and demand of ice cream itself. That Which makes is, sense. Yeah, it totally does. So in the early 20th century, ice cream consumption quadrupled from one quart per capita in the States in 1900 to a gallon in
0: 1915. Oh, I love it. Again, anytime you can have a handheld like food item, that's what you want. And it makes it want. fun, yeah. Yeah. Um, ice cream
1: also became a suggested alternative to alcohol during the temperance movement. Oh, yeah, so that, that was exactly like a big boost in like the 19-teens. During Prohibition, bars turned into ice cream parlors and breweries started manufacturing
0: it, which is very fun. Why don't we have like beer and wine flavored ice cream? That'd be great. I mean, I've had like a beer float with ice cream in it. It's pretty good. Yeah, but like not the ice cream itself. Although I feel like there's what, is it Hagen does does the ones that are like with, with like, boo. yeah. But I don't think yeah. it's silly with booze. Anyways. It's, yeah, anyway. I think we'll, we'll get to this in a bit. So yes,
1: so the beginning of the 20th century, there's increased demand, but ice cream is still being made in like small batch freezers because the technology hasn't really caught up. So the only change from kind of what you're talking about is that now they have steam and then later electricity are being used to like power the churns, but it was always a challenge to keep it frozen. Mm-hmm. In 1921, just as like a fun experiment, A five-gallon tub of ice cream was shipped by train from Ohio to Seattle, a trip that took six days and seven nights. The tub had to be continually repacked in salt and ice in order to stay pristine. So it was like what a
0: fucking waste of time.
1: I know they just like wanted to see if they could do it. So like I mean um, that's cute, I guess. I guess, but it's like so obviously it was like very inconvenient. So mostly like any places producing ice cream were very local. Like you're not going to ship ice cream to New York from California or vice versa. In 1902, Burr Walker of the Pennsylvania ice cream company began freezing ice cream with a brine cooled by an ammonia compressor.
0: Delicious. I, okay. The science. I don't,
1: it's science. I don't know. Nowhere like fully explained. It's just like all the articles just like assumed that you were going to know a what brine is, which I guess it's like salty water, yeah. but b what an ammonia compressor is
0: yeah that's i think the troubling part of that bit like i don't really know what ammonia is do you it's like a chemical it's gas
1: i think anyway anyway the point is that this drastically sped up the freezing process to about six to eight minutes for 40 quarts so it's just like holy super speedy and this is 1902 So after that, continuous freezers became a big thing, so you didn't need to, like, stop the machine and reload it. And then they had things called homogenizers, which whipped the cream mixture to the perfect smooth and creamy consistency, which was great, because before this, ice cream was often lumpy, which is horrifying.
0: Yeah, I had it (laughs) described as, like, little grains of, like, sand and snow. Yeah, yeah. Which sounds delicious, as (laughs) everything in ancient food history does. Yes, so,
1: homogenizers were great. And one factory making use of all this new equipment was highlighted in the Scientific American. What? Wouldn't be an episode if I didn't mention it. Um, Your personal face. It's such a, I just, <laughs> I love reading these old timey texts. It's great. So, so, this is from July of 1922. And they're talking about this big six story factory in Philadelphia that was churning out. 150,000 quarts a day. Wow. Yeah. Which is like crazy. Um, It's also crazy because that's a lot of people then taking that home. Totally. Uh, So they were shipping it all over the New Jersey coast and within the greater city limits, apparently. And they had specially like special delivery cans that they're calling them. And like the trucks were lined with cork for insulation. So they're like really trying to keep everything cold
0: to this day, I think it's still quite impressive that we can get things to places cold. Like, the fact yeah. that there's refrigerated trucks is, like, actually a crazy thing.
1: I know. Well, but at this time, it's, like, they're still, like, pretty much, like, a lot of places are still using just, like, salt and ice. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. So, this kind of, like, 1922 is when this factory is, but sort of, like, the early 20s is the beginning of, like, mass manufacturing. So, the closing, I have to read you this quote. I have so many great quotes. So, this is the closing quote of that Scientific American article says, it is given to athletes who have gone stale as one of the quickest means of getting them back on edge. And doctors frequently prescribe or permit it to be given to invalids. When it is pure, it is a food product of great value. And when it is made, as we have described, it can hardly help being pure.
0: That's amazing.
1: (sighs) Which leads me directly into this another article that I read from 1929 titled May Prescribe Ice Cream. Well, that's the only
0: prescription we need.
1: Yeah, so here's the quote. Small boys and girls will welcome the news that irradiated ice cream may be used as a cure for rickets. I'm sorry, but
0: what is irradiated ice cream, if you don't mind me interrupting?
1: I will. I'm going to get there. Okay. So it's a cure for rickets, and may even be substituted for cod liver oil in treating or preventing that disease of childhood. Thank God. So the ice cream mixture pre-freezing, was exposed to, quote, light from a quartz mercury vapor lamp at a distance of 12 inches for 2 and 10 minute periods.
0: Some real snake oil bullshit.
1: It was found that the ice cream exposed to the lamp's rays for 10 minutes acquired a fishy flavor. (laughs) However, the flavor of the ice cream, which was exposed for only two minutes, was not objectionable. So... (laughs) Uh, but apparently it worked like i don't know the science is so
0: good okay, did it work in making it fishy or did it work in preventing rickets because i feel like that seems like a lot it, prefe- it healed ass. rickets That's bullshit there's no way i don't know but they did also test to see if
1: ice cream on its own like not from this mercury vapor lamp did anything and they're like nah huh. <laughs> no healing effect has been noted
0: all right, well, that's a lot to take in. <laughs> yep,
1: yeah, it's a lot. So but also during the depression, ice cream was marketed as a cure like to colds in the winter.
0: So it's like people had like these crazy beliefs. Like <laughs> people always think that if you eat like weird food combinations, it's actually going to make you better. Like, like the pseudoscience is so fucking strong in that. Like, is it I think it's just so I think that's actually part of the
1: reason with the ice cream thing is like because it's got vitamin D. Like, rickets is caused by a vitamin D deficiency. So I guess by just, like, holding well, it up to light, you're like, I don't even know. It didn't explain why it worked. They couldn't.
0: Of course they couldn't. Again, correlation does not mean causation. True, 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 I'm fascinated that they thought it stopped the, like, it made you better from a cold, though. Like, that's really interesting because I've always been told not to have dairy, like, too much when you're sick with a cold.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it was like proven to that. This is just this one guy, Arthur D. Burke, who wrote Practical Ice Cream Making and Practical Mix Tables. Love it. And he states, "Why not fight winter wheezes with ice cream, the protective food in a concentrated form?" Which (laughs) what? (laughs) I don't even know. I was just like, Uh, I can't with these quotes. Just like 30s advertising. Wild. But it's actually funny that they have all these like examples of ice cream being used as like a treatment. Because when I first started like researching ice cream, a bunch of articles came up about like the potential dangers of ice cream and like ice cream and typhoid. Hmm. Did you see any of that? No? No, I didn't. Yeah. So it's like basically ice cream was like linked to a bunch of like epidemics so in an article called making ice cream safe from the Canadian public health journal in 1934. So they say from 1909 to 1927, the U S public health services reported 32 epidemics believed to be caused by ice cream. Wow. Yeah. So basically it's just about like pasteurization.
0: Yeah. That's so that's a real roller coaster of emotions for the food to go through. I know. It's just like, I
1: don't even know. So then there's like this one article from 1934 basically goes through it's like how to like stop contamination like before pasteurization. It's just like, I don't know, clean your shit (laughs) and like heat it up. And yeah, like they're basically telling people just like wash everything, which we're still just learning apparently. (sighs) Anyway uh okay so uh, moving on i also just like want to mention that of sugar and snow gets a lot of its information from ice cream trade journals which like obviously like there's a trade journal for everything but i don't know why it makes me so happy to see like the words just like in this like ice cream trade review
0: i think it's actually so fascinating because i feel like big dairy was all up in everything like all of the stuff that i was reading for like anything a little bit later i was like oh fucking big dairy all up in there
1: Yeah, but this isn't even just, like, it's, like, so specific. It's not even big dairy. It's just, like, big ice cream. Adorable. (laughs) Which we're, like, getting into now. Okay, so in the beginning, there were two ways of making the ice cream base. The Philadelphia style, which is cream, sugar, and a flavoring. And then the custard style, which is, I guess, more like the French style. So it's, like, you have, so it's cream and or milk, egg yolks, sugar, and flavoring. So it's like you make a creme anglaise. So that's the beginning. But then they started using gelatin and other stabilizers in like the early 20th century, which became ubiquitous among larger scale manufacturers because it helped the cream, quote, stand up. Oh. Uh. Oh, it gets worse. There's
0: always just some weird shit going down, and then it just becomes all fuckery. Like, okay, like, like, like we're putting in some gelatin. Like, that's fine.
1: You know. It's a casual time so far. Yeah. So originally there were no standards, despite people being <laughs> concerned about its content and safety, because RIP all of these typhoid epidemics. <laughs> oh. But in 1906, it became required for ice cream to contain no less than 14% butter fat. But this was actually, like, super difficult to do in 1906 because, like, machines barely existed. <laughs> um,
0: that seems like a really high percentage, actually. But
1: that that is what you want. Like, I think most yeah. ice creams nowadays, like, you want that high butterfat content. But it's, like, the problem in 1906 was the fact that, like, the cream itself was inconsistent. And, like, milk and cream was being shipped from the country to the city. At a time before refrigeration. Oh. So gross. So I like it was. It was a big problem. <laughs> nothing
0: that makes my stomach churn worse. Than like the thought of like. Expired or like spoiled dairy. Like I won't even smell the milk. If it's like a day before the. Supposed expiry date. Like I won't even touch <laughs> it. I can't. I don't fuck with that. Yeah. And oh. I mean like. Modern day
1: expiry dates are over exaggerated
0: yeah I still don't care. I don't want that anyway, yeah near because me. nothing is worse than getting
1: like food poisoning from like spoiled milk
0: or even like I'm sorry, but just smelling a yucky milk smell Ugh. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay so then in in like an attempt to prevent that because it's gross the there were some like dairy dudes who suggested that instead of actually using fresh cream, ice cream manufacturers should use a mixture of butter, water, and milk solids that could be reconverted into cream using machines.
0: That doesn't seem that weird because that's just like, okay, butter's a normal product, water's a normal product, we have dehydrated milk. I'm not sure how they do it, but it's a thing. I'm shocked that you're okay with that because I read that and I was like, horrified.
1: I mean, it makes sense, but it's just like, it seems so gross.
0: I not it's like powdered milk on the shelves. Again, this survivalist thing that I'm struggling with is really informing a lot of that opinion. I feel like I'm just like, that all seems super legit.
1: The only thing that I know of like really about powdered milk is that like my mom's, like my grandma would buy it when my mom was growing up and it was so disgusting that my mom put orange juice on her cereal because it was like less gross.
0: (laughs) Okay. That seems like fake news. (sighs) But then like it also would,
1: I know. Yeah. But it like, maybe wasn't even real orange juice because they would have had like powdered orange juice like crystals too. Anyway. Oh my goodness. So yes, powdered milk, bad. Okay. But these guys that were certing this, they have this quote. It says, it yields a product that is smoother, a finer texture, and less liable to separate than ice cream made from non-viscalized cream.
0: I don't know. I just think that if I had to take my choice between dehydrated milk, butter, and water mixed together versus milk that's been sitting out for like six hours i know which one i'm going with like i have no beef with that
1: yeah okay fair fair but basically what this means is it's like opening the door to more and more or rather like less and less real quote yeah. unquote Just ingredients like in bullshit. yeah so like as the industry keeps growing those original ingredients of cream sugar eggs uh, they're joined and in some instances replaced by more and more additives. So we see cornstarch, rice flour, arrowroot, etc., to create thickness, condensed milk to add smoothness, egg whites instead of yolks would also be used as thickeners, but apparently they made for like a tougher ice cream, which is
0: a horrifying thought. The idea of a tough ice cream is something <laughs> to kind of yeah. wrap your head around. Hmm. Yeah. Whoa. So sugar sugar
1: was also replaced initially because of World War 1 shortages because of course.
0: Ugh.
1: So then they started using like corn syrup.
0: I think the worst thing about the war besides the obvious atrocities <laughs> yes. is the fact that people couldn't eat what they wanted to eat. It's so true. Like not to be insensitive to the like many many people that died and like yes. all of that. But like, can you imagine some bullshit where you're just like, yeah, and you know how you've been enjoying all these delicious sugary and buttery treats? No more. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yes,
1: yes it is. So then, okay, so artificial flavorings also started popping up at this time. And
0: Mm. uh,
1: these names. (laughs) These names. Mapleine. For maple? Yes. To which I, I want to say maybe it's from a birch tree. Maybe it's Mappalline. <laughs>
0: oh, you've really done a good job with the puns so far. Oh. I really started us off on a terrible note with the ice cream yeah, bullshit. Oh but No no, the puns. Then there's also
1: Vanvolan. For vanilla? Yes. Oh no. And then Carmella oh. for caramel and cremilla. For another vanilla one, which sound like Cinderella's evil
0: stepsisters. Yeah, things. they do. Uh, Caramella and Cramilla. It's just... <laughs> a new spin on that. We're going to have to rewrite that. Yeah. Just a poor dairy farmer. Oh, and no. he, CEO of a huge ice cream company. It's great. It's like true fan fiction. I'm going to write that anyway. Please do. <laughs>
1: So, okay, so they're also at this time producing ice cream powders, which the manufacturers claimed the, that you could simply mix the powder with boiling milk and then freeze it, and it would create delicious ice creams, which seems I don't know, fake, okay. it Seems fake, okay. It is also, like, all of this is happening, of course, because this is the time when science, in scare quotes, <laughs> and the technologizing of food was, like, blowing up so yes throwback to butter oh, <sighs> nothing is safe i know a lot of writers in these ice cream trade papers were calling for a standardized formula of ice cream making and hated the idea of an ice cream manufacturer or even like a home cook using gasp their own judgment to create <laughs> their own ideal <laughs> frozen dessert it's like
0: That's hilarious. Just like some really uptight ice cream men just like and then these dumb broads get to go to their kitchens and just do whatever they want. Just like clutching
1: their pearls at a thought of it being like unstandardized. Like Uh, what about the formula? I love that. But like I think actually what this is all about is like money because it's just ice cream was a booming business. Yeah. Uh, So Despite business being good, though, Mm. ice cream manufacturers in the 19-teens were super stressed about the fact that people didn't eat ice cream in the winter. So, like, they only made money during spring-summer months.
0: As someone who's worked at a Dairy Queen, I can tell you that that concern is still very prevalent in the ice cream community.
1: I can't believe that we have waited until this much into the podcast to talk about the fact that we have both worked in ice cream places.
0: Ugh, that's right I always I'm so consumed by my own experience of, and I don't want to say trauma because it wasn't that bad but like yeah it was traumatic the Dairy Queen experience I just completely blank out the fact that you worked at an ice cream place too
1: yeah Yeah. my little gelato
0: shop on the pier we are the Dairy Queens we are yes
1: Uh, it was great and I will never forget the time when there was like an ad (sighs) From like science world or something basically talking about how vanilla is like an aphrodisiac to like old men and i was like all oh, no. of these old men coming in and ordering vanilla ice creams it tracks that's the worst i tried to like find research to back that up and couldn't so maybe it's fake i don't know
0: um i don't care if it's fake the fact that you just had a bunch of like horned up old men coming in for vanilla ice cream is my favorite thing ever.
1: I mean, at a shop that was like exclusively employed teen girls, it was a mood.
0: Again, that was also Enza's hiring strategy. There wasn't a single person there that wasn't like a cute young girl. I mean, fair. I remember when we like, oh God, there was like a time when like the security system went off because we were closing up and it went off and we're like, Oh my God, what if there was somebody in there and we're freaking out. And like the police ended up coming because the alarm, like the company had sent somebody and it's me and Julia just like standing there two young girls. And they're like, is anyone in there? And we're like, I don't, like, we don't think so. Like, I don't know. And then the police I were want like, check. do you want to go check? And then we had to fucking go open the doors to, like, the bathrooms in the back. And I'm like, why are we doing this? I'm not comfortable with it. No. It was awful. But we 100% did do that thing where we're like, okay, we're just going to kick it open and just see if there's somebody there.
1: <laughs> it's which, like karate
0: arms. Pretty much. Which yeah. was very satisfying. That is kind of fun. It was good. But yeah, just cute young girls. We were not equipped for that shit.
1: Yes, I never had to close the store. Thankfully,
0: mm. just just a bunch of horned devil men instead. That seems oh, a fair compromise.
1: And young men too. Yes. Yeah.
0: Just... <sighs> Everyone
1: else for have vanilla. All right. Yes. Okay. But going back to the nineteen <laughs> ice cream manufacturers had the brilliant
0: mm-hmm. idea
1: of throwing elaborate parades celebrating the start of ice cream season. <gasps> They'd have, like, horse-drawn wagons, marching bands, and free ice cream for the
0: crowds. This is my favorite thing ever. I want this. So they were like, buy ice cream. Like, it's summer. I love it. But it, like,
1: I don't know. It didn't always work. So the winter manufacturers, they, like, tried to be, like, super creative, coming up with, like, special, like, Christmassy flavors, like a mince Sunday or yuletide ice cream, which I couldn't find a description for what it is. I just assume it's, like christmasy flavors
0: like this is so know, interesting
1: cinnamon. it's probably
0: like peppermint wouldn't it be oh
1: i didn't even because think about peppermint i always forget about peppermint
0: There's like a candy cane like pepperminty ice cream it's like a very specific brand like i don't know what it's called but i know the packaging because we get that every year at christmas which is so funny that the advertising clearly worked on us that's perfect. But it basically,
1: like, it didn't even work then. Like, the Aww. method that finally... Like, it didn't not work. But the f- method that, like, finally made ice cream more of, like, a year-round thing was Eskimo pie.
0: Tell us more, please.
1: <laughs> okay, so cringe at the name. It was 1922. I don't want to apologize for them, but...
0: They should apologize for themselves. You're they should apologize the for
1: themselves, yes. It's, like, basically... Like a Klondike bar, I like guess, just like an ice cream bar covered in chocolate. Delicious. Totally, and everyone loved it, and they like bought it, and so then they like kept coming up with more of these like sort of like marketable treats. So there was the Sunday Et, which was the an ice cream sandwich between two wafers and then covered in chocolate. Sounds delicious. That sounds delicious. The try A Cone, spelled T R I dash A dash Cone which is basically just a drum kit drumstick like it's just like ice cream in a cone dipped in chocolate i fucking love a drumstick Ugh. yes and tricone so, isn't very cute actually it is super cute and it sounds like good it's just like it's handheld you got like chocolate you've got ice cream again I things they can hold totally so drumsticks yeah drumsticks were actually invented in the 30s and it's basically a tricone but with peanuts on it
0: well a worthy <laughs> addition
1: totally delicious Uh, Mechanical Mm. refrigeration was also a big help.
0: When did they start putting the little chocolate bit in the tips of cones? Do you know that? I didn't look that up. Oh, I don't know that either. I feel like it would have been pretty early on if I had to guess.
1: Like, probably around this time. That's, like, novelty ice creams became a huge thing, like, in the Depression. And I'll get to that in, like, a minute. But, like, like, everyone is always trying to come up with, like, the next cool thing. And it's just, like, one small gimmick
0: to... And it's, like, for practical in. reason, it's, like, it's making it a more, like, sound thing for people to hold, which they would have enjoyed. It's true. It's I also feel like, like I actually read somewhere that it was quite soon after that they, like, started filling them with chocolate. Anyways. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And then it makes it so, like, you want to finish the cone, because sometimes, like, if you just have, like, an empty cone left, it's like, what is the point?
0: Well, no, you have to push your ice cream down so that you always have a bit of ice cream with it. Do you not do so, that? I mean, usually, but sometimes I just... Eat more of the ice cream. <laughs> All right. Well, you're a savage.
1: That's fine. Okay. Well, anyway, we're going to talk about mechanical refrigeration, which was Finally. obviously a boon. So, 1923, the Nizer Cabinet Company. It's spelled N-I-Z-E-R. I think it's Nizer. I feel like I've yeah,
0: actually heard of that. Anyway.
1: Probably. They. I think they still exist.
0: Yeah. Uh, it
1: came out with a new automatic electric refrigeration cabinet which could Mm. be used in retail stores and not just factories. That's very exciting. Yeah. And like, we should also remember that like, this is yeah. Like 1923, like nobody had a fridge in their home and definitely not freezers. This.
0: Yeah. That's insane (laughs) to me still. Like the fact that it was that recently.
1: Do you want some more insane facts? So 1923, the typical American household income, like annually was $2,000. What like is, at the time, so it's like important? I don't. know. Eh, fuck it. I don't know. Add a zero. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. Like that's, Thank you. That was very. Helpful. I feel like that's a trick that I learned. <laughs> it's like you just. Like...
0: All right. All right. Anyway. <laughs> okay.
1: So this is 1923. Everyone's only making about two grand. A Ford Model T cost three hundred dollars. Whoa. And a fridge, nine hundred dollars. Holy shit. So it's like if you were going to buy a fridge, it would be like basically spending like half a year's salary.
0: That's insane. Yeah. But I guess that's like with anything, like when new technology comes out, it's always super expensive. This is why I'm waiting when I go to space. Like I'm not going to go now. It's just going to be a ripoff. Plus
1: you might just like explode.
0: Yeah, that's a risk we have to take.
1: Ugh. Uh, so anyway, by 1935, appliances were more reasonable. So it was like $170. for 1945? 35. 35. Uh, but the freezers in the 30s fridges were still like super tiny. Mm. So ice cream, whether it was like bought at the store or made at home, like you had to eat it that day. You couldn't like store it.
0: But what the fuck? Like, no wonder it was so hard to sell it in the winter. Like. Of course you wouldn't want to eat that. You're like, it's cold out and I've just gotten in from a cold little walk home from the store. And now we have to shove this cold shit in our fucking mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Technology was tough. But
1: basically, like, I think the thing about, like, eating ice cream in the winter was it was, like, a novelty. Like, you'd go to, like, a soda fountain and, oh, like, have okay. an ice cream. Or, like, that in a restaurant. Sense. Like, that was kind of more the thing. A but a Yeah, you have a Sunday. Like, that's what they were trying to sell. Not, like, because they didn't, like, really sell, like, quartz or, like, like, I don't know. Like, it's not like you'd go to the store like you do now.
0: Fair enough. Not in the yeah.
1: 30s. Um, but the, so they'd solve the winter problem with Eskimo pie. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I can't even. But the depression presented another huge challenge for the ice cream business because prohibition was over. So people were spending what little money they had on alcohol instead of ice cream. Because <laughs> fair.
0: Yeah. Weird. <laughs> if you ask me about a nice bottle of wine versus an Eskimo pie it's like mm, anyway so yes so
1: low quality ice cream with high overrun which is basically like when they have like a lot of air Mm. in it uh was being sold by street peddlers like and there were like street vendors of our ice cream like kind of like early ice cream trucks which i'm surprised like we haven't really gotten into but i didn't even really find any like specific talking about like ice cream like people were just always like it's it was a street food initially
0: yeah and again, like any asshole with a car or like something that they can make cold and like the person outside Carnegie, uh, Hall. was that what it was? No, that was a crossword clue the other day. Charing cross. Sorry. Um, mm, station. Yeah. He was selling ice cream. It's just like, it's somebody who has like a little bit of a hookup and a little bit of an idea. Like they just want to sell it to people.
1: Yeah. So in like the thirties and forties, there's also, it's like the good humor ice cream company existed and they. They have like ice cream bars covered in chocolate, but it was like on a stick, so it yeah. was like not messy. So that was like a company that like totally exploded. It was like very much entrenched in pop culture in the 30s and 40s, and that was like their whole image of like vendors on like bikes or with like a little cart, but with like super clean like white uniforms, just like mm-hmm. a very like a wholesome image. But these guys in the depression are not that. They're <laughs> just like
0: <laughs> unemployed people
1: <laughs> like selling just like anything from like pencils to like I don't know like lug nuts I don't
0: know just like whatever they could find at the local dump just like cheap like little odds and
1: ends and some of that was like really low quality ice cream
0: <sighs> they just fucking blended it up and get a lot of air going in there and yeah just, here you go
1: and I'm just, like, imagining, like, a guy, like, opening his coat, like, <laughs> want to buy a pint?
0: <laughs> I'm just imagining that it's just a bunch of pockets and that's it's not, like, actual containers. It's just, it's just loose! <laughs> little- <laughs> <It's> ice cream!
1: <laughs> oh, that's disgusting.
0: It's just dripping down and then if you want to get some, you have to stick your hand in the pocket and just hold a handful of ice cream. I hate it. Oh. I
1: mean, I wasn't there. That could have been exactly how it worked.
0: I feel like the chances of that not having happened in history are very slim. (laughs) Because, like, everything's happened once. Yes, definitely. It was just like, you know. (laughs) One guy tried it and it did not pan out
1: well. (laughs) It was a cautionary tale. (laughs) So... (laughs) But worse than them, worse than the people just selling ice cream from their pockets <laughs> were people who are bootlegging low quality ice creams to retailers who would then pass it off as coming from reputable brands.
0: I for a second thought you were just going to stop at saying bootleggers. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, <laughs> the people who stored the ice cream in their boots instead of the coats. Sorry. <laughs> the um, people who worked at that jean store in the 90s. <laughs> oh, throwback to that. Yeah. My aunt worked there, didn't she?
1: Mm-hmm. And oh. then, like the marketing tactic was like, if someone was like, I don't know, like how do these like these they, like don't really fit, and then Lindsay was supposed to just be like, just belt it.
0: So <laughs> it's <laughs> like really great strategy. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I feel like bootleg jeans or bootlegger jeans were like such a status symbol in like late elementary school. Yep.
1: low rise boot cut
0: I remember seeing a pair of jeans at the mall and I'm sure that this is not like anything special of the 2000s but it had literally an inch like a zipper an inch long and then that was it and I just remember like at whatever age I was like 12 or something just being like that seems like a fucking risk like (laughs) I don't think I have it in me for that shit no
1: no definitely not
0: oh and who's his parents were letting them walk out like that. That's oh.
1: a lot of my friends.
0: Your whole fucking cunt on display. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Anyways, please continue.
1: Okay, so it's a tough time for people in the ice cream business, and these ice cream dudes are choosing to basically, as we have seen time and time again, blame women making ice cream at home. Oh, it's like they're basically just being like, it's just not as good as what we can do. So according to Of Sugar and Snow, the ice cream review in 1933 went so far as to say that, quote, the housewife needed to be told that her ice cream was not good. In fact, it was an embarrassment to serve to her, her guests and they would talk about it her behind her back if she did so.
0: That's a really aggressive stance to take. Like, I feel like that's the equivalent of shooting a housewife with a BB gun. It's just like,, mm, no, I, oh no. Oh my goodness.
1: The thing is though, they weren't like totally wrong. I'm
0: sure that it was disgusting. <laughs> again, six hour exposed milk that you're using, Nah. Yes. Well, I think, like, they're this
1: is, like, the 30s. Like, they're probably, like, a little bit better with the milk. Like, they've got electric fridges. So it's the 30s. Electric fridges were still very new. And there were all of these cookbooks coming out extolling all of the ways that a, like, fridge owner could make, like, take advantage of their new appliance. So a lot of these books had ice cream recipes, which called for pouring an ice cream mixture into a tray, leaving it in the coldest part of the fridge, and beating or stirring it occasionally as it freezes. Have you done this? I've I've done this.
0: No. Did it work? No.
1: I mean, no. It's like, it's just so icy and
0: lumpy. Yeah. That's not a solution. Um, The closest thing I've come to making ice cream. Actually, that's not true. I think when I was a kid, I made it with my Uncle Donnie. But, like, I don't remember because he was a really heavy smoker and I was always just trying to get out of the room. (laughs) So that was kind of, like, an irrelevant memory. But then, as a proud blizzard bitch for life, I procured for these kids I babysat one day, we got, like, the Dairy Queen at-home blizzard maker thing. And so it's (gasps) basically, like, a little mini ice cream maker and then you can throw toppings in. Like, it was really... It's so cute. We had so much fun. Except the problem with it is is it makes, like, like... half a cup of ice cream and your arm is like exhausted by the end of it
1: oh yeah like when i was a kid for like my birthday and i was like i don't like i want to say seven i got like a baskin robbins like ice cream maker but it was like yeah like a hand crank like it was like you had to put like salt and ice and then like your mixture and you mixed it but it was like and it was just like we used it like occasionally but it was so much work (laughs) But it made, like, pretty good ice cream.
0: Yeah, I was, again, very impressed with the quality of this Dairy cream
1: product. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yes. So, like, they had what, like, the articles that I was reading called ice cream freezers at this time, which were basically like that. Like, I think it's just, like, a metal container with, like, a compartment mm-hmm. for your salt and your ice. And you put it in and then you, like, churn it by hand. But, obviously, it's way less work, technically, to just put it in the freezer And, like, beat it with an egg beater.
0: Yeah, so I guess if you're, like, a lazy housewife, that's what you're doing. But
1: we're coming right into the era of lazy housewifery. Oh, bless. And, like, the thing is, like, a lot of these recipes called for, like, the same kind of additives that the manufacturers had been using for years. So, like, gelatin, evaporated milk, and corn syrup. So, like, it's not even like you're making it homemade.
0: But I guess that's because that's not really like the point of what's going on in this time period. Like now there's such a push for things to be really like homemade and mm-hmm. like natural, but that's like not what people were into. This is true.
1: I also have to do this sidebar about a thing called frozen salads, which were super popular at this time.
0: I'm obsessed with this already.
1: The mo- like it's it's kind of like a 30s precursor to like all of the jellied salads of like the 50s and 60s. Oh, so we it's should talk the- about jellied salads. <laughs> We should just do a whole thing on Jello because it's wild. Jello is so wild. Yes. Ugh. Anyways, please continue. So yes, so the most popular frozen salad was fruit salad, which kind of sounds like ambrosia salad, but then like takes a horrifying savory twist. So it's a mixture of fruits, canned pineapple, maraschino cherries, pears, peaches, or apricots, which is then combined with mayonnaise and whipped cream as well as sometimes cream cheese or maybe American cheese. And then everything is mixed together and poured into a freezer tray and frozen. Then it is sliced and served on lettuce, perhaps sprinkled with paprika.
0: You did not lose me at all there. Like, I was right there with you. The only thing I'm a little bit hesitant about is the paprika, but also, like, I know well enough to to trust the odd combination of spices and sweets. So... You're not
1: offended by canned pineapple, maraschino cherries, mayonnaise, and cheddar cheese?
0: No. Not in the slightest. Frozen? I think frozen would be better. <laughs> I would rather it be frozen, because I think the only issue I would possibly have with that is a textural issue. Again, I'll try anything twice. <laughs> I just want to know. I, like I want to well, you know what we should first time is like a you know a bad example like when i went down a really scary water slide once didn't like it the first time liked it the second time glad i did it twice
1: all right you know what that's a great attitude to have i'm proud thank of you. you
0: thank you we should make this i think we should will you send me the recipe or is it literally just those fucking ingredients
1: I don't know. I'll like, well, we can look up a real recipe. Yeah, I just right. had the ingredients. Do
0: you know what? My mom made five cup salad, which I'm pretty sure is just ambrosia salad when mm. we were kids for a like birthday party that we all went to. And it was like, I feel like a potluck, which seemed weird because I feel like birthdays weren't potlucks. But anyways, we went to this kid's house. We brought this salad. And I remember being like, mom, this looks so fucking weird. Like nobody's going to eat this. Like what's the deal? We were quite young. I think I was like five at the time. It's a very early memory. And then I remember having some of and being like, Oh, fuck, I've been sleeping on this shit. This is delicious. I feel like the only thing
1: that I don't like about ambrosia salad is, like, the canned mandarin orange slices. Everything yeah. else I will fuck with.
0: See, I don't eat those because I don't eat oranges, so I just pick them out. Yes. Oranges yeah. are the worst. They really are. Disgusting. This is an anti-orange podcast. It's an anti-orange podcast. <laughs>
1: um. Okay, so back to ice cream we're getting out of the depression and what will finally save the ice cream business aside from the obvious boon caused by the end of the depression yeah. novelty ice cream treats so it's just like a personal ex- fave. yeah like extravagant like sculpted shapes on top of cones making sundays for kids with gumdrops ice cream popsicles i love it I love it so much. It was great. And they were all very cheap, like a nickel. I don't know
0: how much a nickel was at that time.
1: Eh, nobody does.
0: At a zero, 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: um, so another novelty popping up in the 30s were roadside and wayside stands that were catering to the new like population of drivers.
0: I love that. Just like a little like hut on the side of the road where you could go to procure yourself an ice cream treat yes
1: literally so they took advantage of counter freezers which was a mechanical ice cream freezer that didn't require salt and ice or hand turning and was small enough to fit on a counter and allowed retailers to make the ice cream like right before the customer's eyes
0: oh that's cool yeah Yeah. so it wasn't so much as like a quick stop to get them thing which i think is what i would assume coming from like a time where all we want is ever quick things Mm -hmm. like just a quick stop but more like a kind of a roadside attraction i mean i think it was both like these
1: uh, i for some reason i didn't write down how much they could turn but it was
0: like pretty like
1: substantial amount that they could turn from this so it's like some would be like pre-made if you were in a rush but if you also wanted to like stay and watch okay that's interesting. and like and they sold other things like it's just kind of like a i mean it's like like a gas station but like not a gas station i don't know so most of these retailers called their counter turn product homemade and for many people like it truly was like they weren't using a lot of the additives that other like it was just going back to the basics but there were also a lot of people who were using pre-bought like ice cream mix from the big manufacturers so it did still have the additives and
0: stabilizers interesting and like a kind of an intriguing sales approach for these big companies to be like here's another way we can sell it just here's like a powder bye yeah but it's also like by calling it homemade it's like i feel like i've had this experience
1: still where it's like ice cream shops like are calling their ice cream homemade but it's like very clearly just like
0: right with like, a, like yeah
1: they've got like yeah. a huge brand name and i'm like why like why are you lying to me like it's just so obvious but
0: that's really interesting. Also, how have we not talked about ice cream shops with the extra P.E. at the end? I feel like that's <gasps> a whole cultural revolution right there. Everything with a shop I hate. Shop-a-puh. I feel like that's like a 70s thing. I love it. I think it's very fun.
1: It like makes me want to scream. I hate yeah, it so much.
0: It's the worst, but it's also very fun. Like you can just I, I like to picture the kind of person who has decided that that's what they're going to name their shop. And in my head, it's always like like just like a kind of overly uptight, like man and woman who like just never really had the life that they want. And like their kids either like either they tried for kids but they couldn't, or they like met too late in life and they just like didn't it didn't yeah. happen for them, or their kids a huge disappointment. And so they've like poured all their energies into this chappa and they're like really intense about it and want it to be like more significant to the world than it is.
1: Yeah. Perfect. I think that's exactly what it is. Um, So, yes. So, there are these, like, little wayside stands making a big thing. Also, soda fountains, which have been around since, like, the 1800s. And we didn't really talk about, but... Whatever. I'm not gonna lie to you.
0: I feel like I really danced over some things, but that's... You got the gist. It's fine. So, soda fountains
1: basically went through, like, a huge boom in the 30s and the 40s. Like... Sundays were like extra big and they had like even more elaborate names and banana splits. Ooh, yes. The invention of the banana split, horrible. <laughs> Truly. You hate bananas. I don't like bananas yeah. either. But I also found out that the archetypal banana split, like what you imagine, so it's like banana halves, mm-hmm. and then there's like the scoop of chocolate, vanilla, strawberry ice cream. It's actually called an aviation glide Sunday because it looks like a
0: plane. That's adorable. Yeah, it's very cute. Oh, I love that. Also, I straight up did not realize that that was what you were supposed to have as the flavors for the ice cream. Because a la Dairy Queen, you do chocolate, strawberry, and pineapple, which is a fucking nightmare because you put the pineapple on and the juice is always in there and it looks real gross
1: so with this one too it's like they would like top it with whipped cream and then have like crushed cherries and pineapple on it so it's like it's more like crushed pineapple not like a pineapple ice cream
0: yeah no because like what i'm saying is it's all vanilla ice cream but then there's like pineapple (sighs) pieces on top oh yeah that is a nightmare yeah horrible um i love the idea people were obsessed with crushed pineapple at this time
1: yeah the weird fetishization of like hawaii yeah
0: problematic so yes so but
1: soda fountains are also like they're heavily featured in hollywood movies and hollywood Mm. lore like there's the very famous false although fun story of starlet lana turner being discovered quotes 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 at a soda fountain on hollywood and vine
0: adorable there is a real like i don't know like I don't want to say sexualization of, like, the ice cream shop experience, but, like, there kind of is in some ways. Also, Gwen Stefani was discovered at a Dairy Queen, so there you go. I feel like that's probably also fake. I don't believe shit. That's not true. She said it. Maybe I should look this up. Fuck now, I don't believe myself. Okay. She 100% worked at Dairy Queen, and now I'm thinking I might have been Kim Cattrall. <laughs> Anyways, back to ice cream.
1: Yes. So... Roadside stands. They were exploding before. They're even getting more and more popular because cars are just like only becoming more and more of a thing. And stands are getting more and more elaborate in efforts to draw in passing customers. They're painted bright colors. They're they shaped. add a papa at the end. They add the papa. They're shaped in giant versions of the products they sell, like a giant ice that. cream cone or like, it's just, it's a lot. And then this brings us to soft serve, which is delicious. So a number of people were experimenting with softer ice creams in the mid to late 30s, but most famous, and perhaps most successful, was J.F. McCullough. In 1940, after some trial and error to find the right freezer and make sure that there was actually an interest in a softer product... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Do your product. <laughs> yeah, <for> fair. <laughs> good for you, yeah. uh, McCullough and his retail partner, Sherb Noble, opened a store centered around this new product, which they called...
0: Dairy Queen! Oh, I didn't know that that's who it was. I was like, I hope this is where we're going. Yeah. With it. I don't know. Yes, And it's still very popular. So yes. there. blended Bitch for Life.
1: Yeah. Fabulous. Uh, okay, so now we're up to World War II. And ice cream was seen as a morale booster and a symbol of patriotism in America. That tracks. Like, despite the fact that it was an obvious drag on precious resources such as milk and sugar. Mm-hmm. In America... For actually, World War One as well, but then again, in World War Two, ice cream was classified as an essential food, <laughs> so that like they could still make it. Oh, I love that. I know, but meanwhile, like ice cream production was banned in the UK because their shortages were so bad, and then it was like also banned in Italy. So, RIP gelato. And then, yeah. apparently- <laughs> and then apparently, in Japan, it was mandated to be sold at such a low price, manufacturers couldn't make a profit, so they're just like, eh. Fuck it. Um, I love that so much. Yeah, it's just like such a big deal. In 1943, the U.S. Army was the largest producer of ice cream in the world.
0: Amazing. I feel like that would have really reassured all those men that were like, it needs to be standardized. They're like, okay, the army, the right army's on it.
1: That. True. <laughs> they probably they love that.
0: Yeah. Uh, So corners were obviously
1: cut in terms of flavor and substitutions for sugar and cream, but they'd like literally be doing that anyway. So not really a big deal. Lots of clever marketing was added or added to ice cream's patriotic symbolism. They're sold victory Sundays, which came with a war stamp, which is like a bond. That's so cool. What a neat idea. That's actually very cute. There was also this story about this one vendor in, like, Iowa who sold a Hitler Sunday. (laughs) And it's, like, (laughs) slogan was that it was half nuts.
0: I am obsessed with that. Yeah,
1: it's, like, 40s humor. It's a bit rough.
0: Can you imagine someone doing that today?
1: No, I mean, it wouldn't last. I should hope not. So anyway, after the war, as we all know, white America flourished. Supermarkets became a thing. And everyone was very eager to buy all the foods that had previously been unavailable because of rationing and sanctions, as we had talked about earlier. And even though ice cream hadn't been rationed, consumption skyrocketed from 10 quarts per capita in 1940 to 17 in 1945, and then 21 and a third in 1946. Damn. It's a lot. Yeah, that's like quite a dramatic increase. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's kind of where we are. I think it went down again after 1946, but then now it's kind of like hovered at like the 21, 22 courts.
0: Hmm. i don't know why but i have such trouble picturing anything being popular during like the like anytime it's war times or the 30s which is like basically mm-hmm. all of everything so i just assume when we discuss these foods that they like get really popular in the roaring 20s and then after that everything just like goes to shit mm. and then we have to wait like all the way until like the 50s for things to be okay again but like weren't there wars then too again my education was clearly lacking korea thank you
1: Anyway, speaking of white men, the post-war baby boom <laughs> increased business for the already popular roadside drive-ins since it was an easy way like, to eat out for parents with small children, and soft serve was considered an especially kid-friendly option. So this was great news for the thousands of new soft serve chains, but it was very bad news for Soda Fountain's.
0: Yeah, I feel like that didn't really last, did it? No,
1: it started to peed off, especially like with supermarkets and home freezers. So it's like, you know, you have the convenience of frozen food basically taking off. Why would you go to a soda fountain for an ice cream cone when you could pick up a pack of frozen treats in the freezer aisle along with the rest of your groceries? Makes sense. So the 1950s was the start of America's love affair with convenience food. And it spelled the end. Of old fashioned crank churned ice creams in favor of the far inferior freezer method. Yeah, well, but mostly, but like again, mostly people at this point were just like buying ice cream because, duh, it's it's delicious. It's easier. Yeah, cooking in the fifties and sixties was basically just about finding ways to jazz up store bought ingredients with other store bought ingredients.
0: Oh gosh. <sighs> Very interesting time to be alive. Thank God we weren't there. But yeah, so there's
1: like a bunch of cookbooks with like where like desserts featuring ice cream were basically calling to mix candy or store bought store bought cake or canned fruit into store bought ice cream. And it's just like there's your dessert, like it's fancy and
0: homemade. It's like no, <sighs> I feel like still to this day, a lot of people think that that's fancy and homemade. Yeah, definitely. Like, the love affair is still going very strong. It's hot and heavy. Yes. I think the
1: thing is, it's, like, now there's also other options. But then it was, like, not at all. And I think also that was the whole, I mean, I don't know, pathologizing the 50s and 60s is tough. Because it's, like, at the same, like, you have the weird mix of women being expected to be, like, these, like, perfect homemakers and do all of this, all of these things and, like. Keep everything clean and like cook all these elaborate meals. So it's like it makes sense that you'd want to have shortcuts. I don't know. Yeah. And again, like
0: it's as much as we want to be very judgmental about like, you know, the lazy housewives or these housewives just serving this weird ass jello thing, like <laughs> these poor women had a lot going on. Well, yeah. And then the thing is like, especially once we get into like jello situation, which again
1: is topic for another episode, it's like more work. Like it would be less work to just like bake a cake or like make a normal salad. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But again, like, the, the amount of expectation is so, like, immense that I feel like their minds cracked under it, and that's why we have all these jellos out. That tracks. Just like, you know, they were busy, like, cleaning the house, feeding these kids, cleaning up everything, giving their husband a glass of scotch and his slippers when he comes in, and then blowing him. Like, they couldn't possibly handle anything else. And then somebody was like, hey, have you heard about the microwave? And also, maybe you should try this and that and the other. And they're like, what the fuck?
1: Buried in Jell-O molds. (laughs) (laughs) Screaming about aspic. Uh, Uh, mm, uh, Yes. So this is also a time when bigger was deemed better. Mm. And most manufacturers did not go back to pre-war standards and continued using artificial flavorings and powders and stabilizers. Of course. Uh, Also, a lot of smaller ice cream factories kind of conglomerated... And then we're seeing just, like, bigger and bigger companies, which is just sort of standard and always a thing. Mm -hmm. There's this very interesting article called Ice Cream Substitute from 1952 from Science Newsletter, in which newsletter is hyphenated, and I don't understand why. And for some reason, it makes me annoyed. It should. It's very bizarre. (laughs) Yes. The subtitle of this article is synthetic ice cream tasting much like the real thing now on the market in certain cities. Controversy considered to be like that over oleo margarine versus butter. Oh, but like it wasn't (laughs) ice cream trade circles called frozen desserts uh, made with vegetable fats or oils instead of butter fat or cream. Foreign fats products, which is gross
0: that's very fun i love that it's horrible but i love it
1: yeah um but kind of like the early margarine and butter debate fake ice cream is basically considered like a completely different product the article imagines that it will be called quote fanciful names such as Freezert
0: or party freeze Freezert is my favorite name ever <laughs> Uh, why is there not a frozen yogurt company named Freezard? Why have we not even talked about frozen yogurt? Yeah, they're, like the whole thing, it was very loose in the beginning, sorry. No. No, I'm actually... Well, we kind of get there.
1: I hate frozen yogurt. <laughs>
0: What's the point? If you're going to do it, do it right.
1: Actually, okay. Well, we will come back to this because mm. I have some thoughts.
0: Wait, uh, do you have any
1: throw thoughts about this? Mm, I just have thoughts okay, about frozen sure. yogurt. Uh, so, yes. So, this article... They say that only an expert will be able to tell the difference between these real and fake ice creams. So at this time, it's like the only reason to have non, like, I don't know, an ice cream substitute. It wasn't about like nutrition. It was just about like cheapness because it's, there's articles just like they're the same. Uh, At the time, the article was written, the FDA had no jurisdiction over these foreign fats products unless they were shipped across state lines.
0: Oh, that's really interesting.
1: But also at this time, the FDA was only just starting to set standards for ice cream itself.
0: You'd think that they would have gotten on that a little sooner. When was the FDA started?
1: Here's the thing. I don't know. I have like a little note where it's like, should we just do an episode on food regulatory agencies? Does anyone care
0: about that? I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Sorry, I'm looking it up right now. Um, They formed in June 30th, 1906. So they've been around for, like, quite a while. But they just, like, did... Like, I think that they were very
1: limited in what they could and couldn't control.
0: I feel like the scope was very small. Is that what you're suggesting?
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, so, but actually, this brings us to 1958. The FDA finally did issue a code to regulate ice cream standards. So I have a bit of a long quote from Time magazine um, from that, like an article from that same year, and it goes through the regulations. So it says, quote, the new rules clamp down hard on the numerous additives used in ice in mass ice cream making FDA approves the continued use of such lump preventing stabilizers as gelatin, locust bean gum, sodium alginate, guar seed gum and extract of Irish peat moss. But it frowns on any further use of alkali neutralizers, e.g., baking soda, which some producers use to sweeten up sour milk and cream, make it palatable.
0: There's so much to unpack there. Um, mm-hmm. I think the most interesting is there's Irish peat moss. Extract
1: of Irish peat moss. Wow. Yep.
0: Who is the person doing the extracting on the Irish peat moss? I don't know. You need to meet them. Stop. Bog folk, bog folk. Ugh. wow! Okay, well, glad they decided to you know keep out the baking soda and leave the peat moss extract in. Like, thanks for that, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's like things like still weren't good, but there were some exceptions. (laughs) There were some exceptions. California chain, Baskin Robbins, started in the late '40s, and then Hog and Dawes also began in 1959. And both of those sort of like, they were like pretty small companies at the time, were making high butterfat, low overrun ice creams with like real ingredients.
0: Okay. Also, I'm not sure if you knew this, but haagen is a fake word. I'm sure it is. I didn't know that, but that seems 100% correct.
1: The owner just made it up to make it sound like old world and traditional.
0: It's like the German equivalent of Schopapa. Yes. Except this is it's an American company. Yeah. But, like, it's, I feel like it always sounds German. I think it's supposed to sound Dutch. But mm, Okay, well, yeah. I speak exclusively from, like, hearing a little bit of German and hearing no Dutch. There you go. Yes. Interesting. And I feel like it's, like, worth noting, I suppose, that those are companies that are still very successful to this day. And, like, having quite rigorous and, like, or not rigorous, but, like, higher standards seems to have clearly paid off. Like, how many of those, like, really lowbrow companies are still around?
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I mean, I don't know. I'm asking.
1: I am think, I think like everything now that they've become sort of like big brands, probably the quality has definitely gone down. So, okay. So then we get into the seventies. We're just like moving right along and we're seeing more and more like high quality ice creams. People are basically starting to, they're looking back to like the more traditional ways and ice, electric ice cream makers were cheaper and more widely available. So home cooks could go back to like the proper, like, churning method rather than just, like, leaving it in the freezer. Okay, cool. And I feel like just, like, generally, like, with the 70s, it was that whole, like, earthy, like, yeah. let's go back to, like, basics and move
0: away from, like, so much processed food, which, like,
1: also isn't true, but...
0: There was definitely, like, a, an interest in that, like, aesthetic as opposed to, like, mm, yes, the hyper, like... Yeah, and so in
1: 1978, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield opened Ben and Jerry's Scoop Shop in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, yeah, and they very quickly become famous for rich ice creams with chunky add-ins and kooky names. Are they lovers? Ooh, I don't think so. I wish they are. I'm going to look that up, too. My article, I mean, they're very much dead. Like, they died from eating too much ice cream. <laughs> look at heart attack.
0: Are you sure? Uh... I don't yeah, I think so. Uh, Ben and Jerry are often mistaken for a couple, and while they are not, Jerry actually started dating his wife when he and Ben were roommates. They're very vocal supporters of gay marriage, unlike other food companies. <laughs> 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 Sorry, this is ten things you didn't know about Ben and Jerry's an article. I'm intrigued. That's, they were originally amazing. gonna be a bagel company. Oh, that's cute. That is. Ben and Jerry's is one of the only ice cream brands to be served in both space and on sea. Ben has no sense of smell. They own two hot air balloons. And
1: okay, we're moving on from this. <laughs> list. Okay, bye. Um yeah, so but like this basically brings us up to kind of like the end of the 20th century. But I guess like like the 80s and 90s, ice cream definitely went on more of a gourmet kick. Mhm. I guess we're seeing, like, super fancy restaurants, like French Laundry and, like, I don't even know, like, other fancy Mm. American restaurants, like, almost went back to the early 19th century style of,
0: like, elaborate, like, plated and molded ice creams. I was gonna say, like, really, like, lovely dishes to display this, like, very, like, artisanal creation. Yeah. And then I think, and kind of like what you were saying earlier, where
1: there was the trend of savory ice creams and like using weird flavors
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so now it's not the ice cream business it is the frozen dessert business yes Mm -hmm.
0: okay the thing is is like when you look at all those like really really ancient forms of like iced desserts and like having just like ice that you mix with like whatever sweet around to make something kind of yummy like that's totally fine no beef with that no beef with sorbet like that's delightful but then we gotta go and like fuck it all up
1: yeah because the thing that like with frozen dessert is that it doesn't mean that it i mean it means that it doesn't have cream so you can't call it ice cream but it doesn't mean that it's a sorbet it's just got like fake shit like it's yeah like non-milk like all of the things that have been slowly being introduced since like the 20s
0: and, like, no beef with things that are, like, based on, like, like coconut ice cream. Like, totally cool with that because that's, like, they're doing their own thing. But, yeah. like, the frozen yogurt and Sherbert Market needs to not. I feel like Sherbert, like, doesn't exist anymore because it's disgusting. Excuse you. I feel like it's still very prominent. What was I actually watching recently where one of the characters, just, like, as a weird, quirky personality trait, just, like, hated Sherbert? I don't know,
1: but it was cute. And like, and like the point was that it was like, pff, who doesn't like Sherbert? Like, what a weird.
0: No, it was just like, they, it was just like a random aspect of their personality that they threw in for whatever reason on the show. I wish I could remember now. God, I've watched so much TV in the last week. Want to know something gross? Of course. There's a protein in
1: the blood of a fish called the ocean pout hmm. that can apparently be used to replace the fat in ice cream without compromising the flavor.
0: See, that isn't gross to me. I'm willing to try that. That sounds fine. That's fine. As long as you can't really tell that it's blood, like I'm into it. I mean, technically it's just a protein in the blood. So there, that's fine. Neat that they can do that. People are getting crazy. Also, I feel like we should be looking more at, like, I feel like there's a lot of interesting things that fish can do for our stuff.
1: That's true. Fish, as again, like more, let's just like look at the
0: ocean. Let's spend more time at the ocean. But also, I'm like we shouldn't be eating as much fish because it has all those fucking plastics in it. And we're all going to die from that. Really what we should be doing is spending more time cleaning the ocean, but that seems quite ambitious for this podcast.
1: Yeah. It's very much out of our scope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to talk about Dippin' Dots for a second. Yes. Please do. I just watched like a lot of very soothing YouTube videos about like people making dip and dots, which is just like you can
0: make them at home?
1: No, like like factories making dip and dots. Oh,
0: okay. Like, how the things are made. Oh, I'm definitely going to watch that now. Also
1: just like liquid nitrogen ice cream. I feel like I don't know if it's having as much of a moment, but it was like 20 like 17 2018 and everyone was making liquid nitrogen ice cream.
0: Yeah, they really were. Also the woman the queen of ice cream in england what was her name? make something Agnes Marshall? Yeah, thank you. She was into nitrogen ice cream. She tried to get that going. That's for hot fun. Second. Good. Yeah, for her. Good for her. I don't think it took off, but like she was working it. Mhm. And it just seems like artisanal ice cream
1: is just like everywhere. It's just like I don't know. Remember when charcoal ice cream was a thing for like 5
0: seconds? Oh, if I never hear about charcoal anything again, I'll be fine. Like, I just don't understand why that trend got so big. People brushing their teeth with the charcoal toothpaste and stuff like that's not good for your teeth. I looked it up. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it like fully scratches them. Like there's micro scratches on your teeth. It makes sense. It's a fucking rock. (laughs) Is it? Mm, That's not true, is it? Anyways. No,
1: no, it's like ash.
0: Yeah, but like it's hard. Yeah, it's bad for you. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, do you want to talk about soft serve mix-in shops and, like, frozen yogurt places, i.e. Menchies?
0: Oh, yes, please. The biggest trend of, like, first-year university, I feel like. For,
1: like, one second.
0: For But it was... That was the hottest second. I never even went. Of course you didn't need dirty hipster. Um, I remember there was this chick that I thought was far too cool to be my friend and she was like you've never been to menchies and i was like no what's that and she's like we have to go so we went and i was like this is pretty good i guess but like it's still kind of just like i love a good topping selection but i'd just really rather not have frozen yogurt i feel like okay i have had two
1: experiences with frozen yogurt now that we're getting into it and one was in like a frozen yogurt place kind of like that where it's like i'm
0: sorry you've only had two experiences with frozen yogurt <laughs> I've had, no, two kinds of frozen oh, yogurt. Okay. No, 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 It's a real so it's fucking like, Yeah, yeah. No, no, no.
1: Like one like where it's just like, it's frozen yogurt and it's like a thing. And like, it's basically like an ice cream shop. It's just like, instead of having ice cream, it's frozen yogurt. And I feel like it always tastes sour and bad. Yeah. But the kind that I've always really enjoyed is there's also the frozen yogurt where you go and they have the machine and they like take the brick of frozen yogurt and then put fresh fruit and, like, put them into the machine, and it, like, swirls out, like, frozen yogurt flavored with fruits. That?
0: There's one on the beach by, like, my parents' house. White Rock is an enigma. Anyways, um, that's really cool. I've never had that. That sounds, like, not as bad.
1: It's delicious. And it's, like, it has kind of, like, the tanginess of, like, frozen yogurt, but, like, without being, like, sour and bad. Mm. And then you just, like, pick, like, nice, like, frozen fruits, like
0: normal. Yes. It's always very good. I can get behind that. I think my other issue with, like, the Menchies-esque or, like, you know, any kind of those froyo places is that, like, I don't want to have to pick a theme for my ice cream when I'm already hungry and, like, kind of stressed out getting in there, Mm. you know? Because, like, you can't just put everything you want in it because that's disgusting. You have to, like, build a theme into your froyo. And, like, I don't have that kind of control. See, I think that that's the only thing I do like about it. (laughs) Hmm. I just know maybe this is just a personal issue that I'm dealing with just like a real criticism of myself like Emily you need to keep it together when you're in the store (laughs) um this has been pantry staples thanks for (laughs) listening yeah go out and like buy yourself uh, an ice cream cone guys because it's summer now so like it's kind of the time yeah it's hot as hell here yeah of course it is We should stop recording.
1: Yes. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.